Good morning, church. Uh, it is Sunday morning, Mother's Day. We want to wish all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day. We hope you can enjoy this day in, in your own way. I uh, hope you get spoiled a little bit as well. And uh, just have a great day uh, in the Lord today as well as with your family. Uh, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. As I was thinking about this message, it, we're going to take a break from our series for this Mother's Day message, and I've entitled this message, Chaos and Confusion to Power with Purpose. And I think it's interesting how many times in our mother's lives, uh, I'm not a mother, so I can't speak to this firsthand, but I would think that there's been moments of chaos and confusion and times where we question if there's power and purpose in our life as well. So I pray that this message will be a blessing to all of us, uh, but especially to our mothers today as we take a step back and just kind of remember that, that God is in control and he can turn our chaos and confusion into power and purpose. A few years ago, I had a task of herding cats. And I wonder if there are people out there that know what that feeling is like, where herding cats is just a difficult task, and, and I don't even like cats, so uh, there's that for you as well. But we had moved to Pittsfield in 2012, in the summer of 2012, and uh, we wanted our, our children to be able to get involved and to play uh, some sports, and so we, uh, we signed our kids up for baseball that summer and softball for Emma. And uh, I wanted to make sure that our kids got good coaching. I wanted to make sure I was involved. And so I had volunteered to help with Ian's team as a parent helper and also with Emma's team as well. Uh, but somehow I got roped into volunteering to be the head coach for Elliot's t-ball team. And uh, this was just uh, an incredibly... Uh, regretful moment in my coaching experience. And, and it wasn't anything to do with the children. It was all because of my ability or lack thereof. And so you see, I'd played baseball most of my life in some form or another, and I feel like I know enough about the game to help players progress and grow and learn. Um, but I realized very quickly in that first practice that I had no clue how to teach the essential basics of throwing and catching and hitting. To me, that just seemed to come natural, and it was something that I don't remember being taught. I'm sure that I was, uh, but I just thought, you know, here's a ball, you throw it, and you catch it, uh, just to avoid injury. Uh, that's kind of how I, I viewed it, but not everyone can do that, and so it's not that easy. So I began to coach Elliot's team, and at our first practice, it was very chaotic. It was very confusing. Uh, I did not know what I was doing. I had never coached before, and I know that these kids had no idea. Many of them, it was their first time seeing a baseball or seeing a glove. And so it was very confusing. It was very chaotic as the kids were running around. Parents were wondering why I had no clue what I was doing and why I was coaching their kids. And we were brand new to this community. And so each practice seemed like we were herding cats. It was very chaotic and confusing. But the purpose of this exercise, the purpose of this team, was to be able to put together the basics to be able to play the game of baseball. And so we would progress every time in practice to go from chaos and confusion to purpose in our approach. I wonder if you can relate to that in your own life today. 
Maybe there's something in your life where you thought you had to get it done and it seemed to be very chaotic and confusing. In our world today, it may seem that things are very chaotic and confusing. It doesn't seem like a day goes by in my own life where I don't think about decisions that need to be made that are very confusing and chaotic with the surrounding situation that we have. It's Mother's Day today, and I'm sure that there are no mothers out there at all today that have ever had chaotic moments in your life, right? In fact, uh, I believe you probably are sitting there wondering, how can we have church on TV and try to keep these kids entertained at the same time? Uh, But, you know, from kids running around and going crazy to figuring out all the detail of the day's activities and making sure every person in your home is cared for. Your life can seem chaotic at times. The disciples of Jesus felt this way as well. And they had just experienced their leader, their teacher, Jesus, had left them. He's been crucified and and he has gone uh, before them. And the 11 disciples that have been waiting for Jesus to come, they're waiting for him to return. They're waiting for their orders. They've just spent three years with Jesus and he's told them that he had to leave so that the spirit could come. This had to be confusing to them because they had just spent every waking moment with this man, Jesus, and now he's gone. I want us to read about this scene that takes place on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And I want to read the, verse, uh, the first 21 verses to us. I want to read the story to us this morning. Would you follow along with me as I read from God's word? Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability." At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and the converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, and they said things like, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. 
and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. The disciples are in a moment in their time that they are confused and they're still living in some chaos as they try to figure out what life will be like now that Jesus is gone. They know that he has shared with them that he must leave so the Holy Spirit can come, but they're just waiting for this moment to happen and really have no idea what to do. They gather together many times before this moment of 50 days after Jesus' death, and even Jesus has appeared to them in, these, in between this time. This could be confusing for them as they've been waiting for this specific moment, yet Jesus has come and gone a few different times before this. You see, this meeting is taking place in a locked upper room. Why is it locked, we wonder? I wonder at times if they were just so confused and even scared that they go up into this room awaiting something that they are unaware of and don't know what's going to happen. And so they're afraid of what may come or they're afraid of who may enter and what others may be thinking of them. You see, they're scared. There's fear involved in this decision. But they know they've been told by Jesus to gather in this place and wait. So they have obeyed. One of these disciples uh, that's probably getting a little antsy is Peter. Peter's a goer. He's a doer. Peter's excited. He might be a little bit nervous, but he's ready to do whatever is going to happen. He's ready for the call. I want to tell you a little bit about Peter. Peter's birth name was Simon. Simon, son of Jonah, is how he's introduced in the Gospels. Simon has a brother and a father that are in the business that he works with them in fishing. And Jesus comes to them and he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Peter at once follows Jesus. But Peter, we got to know something about his character as well. He's a bold man. He's very brash. He's, he's chaotic in his lifestyle, if you will. He's very brave and courageous, probably a little stupid at times, if you will. He's a know-it-all type, and he is a leader. You see, Jesus enters the scene early on in the New Testament, and he, he spends time down at the seashore at, with the boats on the dock there, and he's watching and he's looking for people. And Jesus Jesus notices this family, and he calls Andrew, Simon's brother, and Simon to follow him. He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishermen, fishers of men. I can imagine that their first response would be, wow, that's confusing. We're out here being fishermen, fishing for fish and a livelihood. And you're telling us that you're going to change what we do? But Peter, being the type of guy he was, he... There's a sense of power and authority in Jesus' voice and his, his request, his command. And Peter, being bold and brash and courageous, goes ahead and follows him. As their time together continues, some of these qualities of Peter come out more so than others. Jesus telling him later on in life that, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter can think, I'm not going to deny you, Lord. I will not disappoint you. 
I don't know about you today. Maybe you've been in a place where you have been disappointing to others. Maybe you feel like you haven't measured up to what you are supposed to do in your life. And you feel like you're a disappointment maybe even to yourself or to your family or to those around you. Maybe you know that feeling of disappointment. You see, Peter, even in his time of of discouragement and times of being bold and courageous, there's a time that we read about towards the end of Jesus' life in the garden where Peter is bold, where he, he goes to defend his Lord and he takes his sword out and he cuts the ear off of a soldier. Bold, brash, brave, yet stupid and careless. Have you ever done something in your life that you immediately regretted? Peter follows Jesus closely after being re- arrested and he's following the crowds and he's, he's trying to get in there and, and find out what's going on. He, you see, Peter's bold, he's brave. He's, he's a believer, he's a watcher. He wants to figure out what's happening. He's a little nosy. I don't know about you, mom, dad. You ever been nosy for somebody in your life? You've been nosy when you're wanting to figure out what's going on in their life? And Peter in his life was asked three times by Jesus. Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times. Have you ever had to repeat yourself to your kids, to somebody else that maybe wasn't paying attention? I don't know. Maybe you've been in that moment too where you've wondered why. What's the purpose? It's confusing to you. Simon becomes Peter and he's groomed and lives closely with Jesus. Then the arrest happens and the ear being cut off happens and then the denial happens. And Peter is probably feeling a lot different, a lot of different chaotic emotions at this, at this moment. He's confused. He begins to see Jesus appear to him after his death and he wants to make himself available to, to right his wrongs, to prove himself. And so he's waiting with the rest of the disciples on that night, in that room, confused, chaos ensues. Can you imagine the scene? And then a mighty rushing wind comes in, a loud noise, and then these tongues of fire are resting on each person there. Talk about confusing and chaotic. (laughs) People begin to speak and and talk and they're talking in their own native language but people are hearing it in their native language and so the, the, the gift of tongues we see is being released upon the people. We're told that Jews go into this room because they hear their language being spoken and they're confused and they wanna find out what's being said and they go up there and they see that there's people from every different region in Jerusalem, every different region, every different dialect and yet they're hearing it in their own tongue, confusing, chaotic. When we see some things in our life that are confusing or chaotic, usually we try to rationalize it or just dismiss it, if you will. And that's what happens here as well in verse 13. It says that people began mocking them and saying that these people must be drunk. How could this happen any other way than it just be an act of drunkenness? Let's jump back to Peter real quick in this story. Our stories are almost connected here now, but Pentecost is happening, and now the Spirit of God has come upon them, and they are different 
in this moment. There's been chaos and confusion, but now people begin to rationalize what God is doing, what the Spirit is doing in this place. And Peter, in his boldness, has a new sense of boldness and purpose. Peter, after Pentecost happens, is a person with power and purpose. He's driven and he's bold and he's trusting God as he begins to lead others. You see, because of Pentecost and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life, people are going to be saved. People are going to be changed forever. So let's see the connection here. Accusations from the public come. These men are drunk and out of their minds, but Peter steps up. He steps into his role of purpose. And instead of allowing the rationalization to happen, He sees what was prophesied long ago. The Holy Spirit makes it clear to him what's happening. And he quotes Joel 28 through 32. He says, In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. Two things, two quick things that I think are important to this story that we need to know. Why did purpose and power come with wind and fire? The wind symbolizes the Holy Spirit. The wind is used in the Old Testament to describe the Spirit at work. Elijah needed a sign from God and wind came and then an earthquake and then fire. Wind and breath is used signifying the Spirit's involvement in our lives. You see, we can't see the wind but we can see the effects of the wind. We cannot see our breath except in winter, but we see the effects of our breath. We cannot see the Holy Spirit, but we can experience his power and his presence in our lives if we allow him into our lives. So why fire? In Luke chapter three, John the Baptist says that one will come after him that is far greater that will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is confirmation of that prophecy. Why the tongues of fire, though? The tongues symbolize the speech and the communication of the good news. Fire symbolizes God's purifying presence, which burns away the undesirable elements in our life and sets our hearts aflame to what God wants to do in our life. This gathering for Pentecost was a feast of all the nations to celebrate. People from every tribe and every nation were there. The Holy Spirit descends on that place and the fire fell and people were able to hear and see the message of God in their own languages. You see, God took a situation that was filled with chaos and confusion and he turned it into a situation of purpose and power. You see, the story continues after Pentecost, and we look at Peter's life, and and he stepped up in this situation with boldness to explain what was happening. But Peter also steps into a boldness that he was born with and that God blessed. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Peter began to preach the good news of the gospel. 
And people began to listen and hear. And it was shortly after this time on Pentecost, that same celebration, that Peter preaches boldly with confidence in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it says that 3,000 people were saved after they heard the good news. How's that for taking chaos and confusion and giving it power and purpose? So what does that mean for us today? My question to you is this. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life in a fresh new way? It may be scary. It may be confusing. It may be one of those situations that we don't have all the answers to or we can't figure out the exact right thing we must do. But the reality of it is, is that Jesus wants you and me to allow the Holy Spirit to infill us, to come into our lives, to give us power and authority that's bigger than the chaos and the confusion that is in our lives at times. When we turn our life over to Jesus and we allow him to, to work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will have power and purpose in our life. You may or you may not ever preach to 3,000 people. I hope and pray that God calls some of you to preach and to see 3,000 people saved in a moment. That would be so exciting and so powerful and something that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if that's not what God calls you to do and the purpose he has for you, he may be able to give you purpose or he will be able to give you purpose in your chaotic life situations to give you power and purpose through the Holy Spirit. When you turn those moments of confusion and chaos, those, those, those mass hysteria moments in your home or in your family or in your work life where you just don't know how things are gonna make sense. And God says, you know what? I'm walking with you and I can work in your life to take the chaos and the confusion and turn it around so that you have power and purpose. You see, you and I, we don't have the awesome privilege of walking with Jesus in a physical sense. And even in this day and age, we don't have the, the privilege of walking with one another that much in a physical sense. We cannot continue, though, to live in a chaos, in a chaotic world, in a confusing world of trying to follow Jesus from a distance just by observing the things that we see. Rather, I believe we must allow the Holy Spirit to, to come into our lives, to, to rest upon us, and to take away the chaos and confusion. And when we do that, He will give us power and purpose to live with God and do His work. Does your life seem chaotic and confusing right now? If it does, I want to ask you, will you allow the Holy Spirit to just fall fresh in your life today? Would you allow him to give you the power that only he can give you? Would you allow him to fill you with his purpose and his anointing in your life? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for these moments in our lives where we can seem to be in chaos or we can be confused. Whether we're mothers or fathers, whether we're children, whether we're people that are in charge or people that are working for others, 
God, in those moments of confusion and chaos, would you help us to surrender our lives to your power? And when we do so, your purpose will be revealed. And will you help us to walk in that anointing? God, we thank you for our mothers today. And I pray that today would not be a day of chaos and confusion, but rather would it be a day of love and purpose as they are showered with that love and, and gifts and, and grace today in such, a, in such a real way. God, thank you for coming and, and giving us this, this time together. Thank you for your purpose and your power. May we live in that anointing of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. It's been a blessing to be with you today. I pray that God would go before you this week. Be looking for new announcements to come as we meet as a church board on the gathering of our church and how we will phase in our reopening plans. You are missed and you are loved, and we look forward to gathering together in person soon, once again. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day.